0: So I'd like you to imagine with me, if you will. I want you to imagine um, that you are a Jewish man. It's important you're a man. um, Who lived nearly 3,000 years ago. You're not just any old Jew. You're one particular tribe. And you are a Levite. And you're not just... Any old Levite, but you're one of the Levites who is a priest. And you're not just any old priest, but you're one of those priests who can trace his lineage right back to the first high priest, that's Aaron. And you're not just any old descendant of Aaron, but you're the first son of the first son, of the first son. And that puts you right in line to be high priest yourself. Now that's a job that you will take on when the post becomes vacant at the death of your father. And so all your life you have been training and preparing and waiting To take that on, you went to school to learn the law, to learn the Old Testament, and you pretty much know it by heart. What you particularly know well is how to offer sacrifice. What are the words you must use? What are the rituals you must observe? Which parts of the animal are burned, which parts are boiled, which parts are eaten, which parts may not be eaten? What else should be offered? Is it grain? Is it incense? Each sacrifice has a particular ritual, and you have had to learn all of that. And at the age of 30, you became a priest. And you started offering the ordinary, everyday sacrifices after 30 years of preparation and training. But today is your first day. Your first day of atonement as the new high priest. And on this day, you have something particular to do. Right at the heart of the temple is a room. It's 15 feet by 15 feet by 15 feet. And it's screened off by an enormous curtain that it takes several priests to move. This room is called the Most Holy Place. And it is the place where God is said to live. And it is such a holy place that only one man in all the world may enter, and that only once a year. And that is you today. And your job is to go in and to make atonement for the sins of the whole nation. And when you enter behind that curtain, you're going to come face to face with God. And you know, you've been told that what is behind the curtain is the Ark of the Covenant. And it's a little box, not very big, made of acacia wood, covered on the inside and out with gold. And on the top of that ark is a sheet of beaten gold called the mercy seat. And made in one piece with that sheet of beaten gold is a cherubim, a high angel on one side and on the other side, another cherubim. And these angels face each other and shadow their wings over the mercy seat. And is between these cherubim that God almighty reigns and today you're going to go in and stand face to face with him and so the time has come you're not wearing your normal high priest's clothes today no gold no jewels plain linen from head to foot bare feet you've got incense in one hand and burning coals in a censer or in in a casket in the other you've got a rope tied around your ankle in case the presence of the living God strikes you dead so that they can pull you out and your bones do not pollute the sanctuary for the next year it's time And you slip behind the curtain. It's dark. That's your first impression, is it's very dark. And you fall to your knees and blink, waiting for your eyes to adapt. And as your eyes adapt to the darkness and your head is low like this, you Start to see the outline of the ark that you have never seen in your life, but you have waited all these years to see. And you can see the dull glint of gold. And you lift your eyes and you start to see the shape of the ark and the outline of these cherubim, of these angels, one at each side. And you lift your face to look eye to eye with God Almighty. And you discover that the space between the cherubim is empty. Are you surprised? What did you expect to see? All the nations around have their idols. They have their gods they can carry around with them. They can approach, they dress them, they lay out food before them night and evening. Did you expect to find an idol between the cherubim? What did you expect to see? And then you realize that God can no more be contained or enthroned in this place than he can in any other. But that God can be represented in this space as well as he can in the whole of the universe. He can no more fit into the universe than he can into a space the size of a man's fist. And you realize that though you may be in that place where they say God reigns, that you've been in his presence all of your life, and that his glory fills the temple and the earth, You thought you had come into a special place to seek him, and you discover that you're looking in the wrong place, and you discover that all this time he has been seeking you. You come to a place where you thought he was confined, and you discover that the heavens and the earth. Cannot contain him. Are you surprised to find that the space between the angels is empty? Now I'd like you to imagine you're someone different and you're a woman who lived about 2,000 years ago. You're a Jewish woman. You're a G- Jewish woman of a good family, brought up knowing the law, knowing God's ways. But years ago, you made some very bad choices. And all that was good in your life began to unravel And things started going very wrong. And your family cast you out. And as all that you had hoped and all that you had dreamed crumbled, you found yourself living with the demons of the bad choices you had made. And at that lowest point... In your life, you met a man, and he was different from every man you had ever met. Every other man you had met had lied to you, deceived you, abused you, or used you. But this man had truth in his eyes. And when you encountered him, you reached out for him and discovered he was reaching out for you. And with a word of authority... He healed you and cleansed you and made you who you always should have been. And since that day when you met him, you followed him. And you were part of a little ragtag group of men and women who hurried along behind him as he went doing God's work. And you listened to every sermon he preached. And you watched every act of mercy he performed. And you drank in the presence of God that you could feel when you were with him. But then he decided to go to Jerusalem, to the capital city. And all his advisers said, that's a foolish thing to do. But he set his face to it. And you followed him. And one week ago, he was acclaimed in the city as the conquering hero arriving. And then you watched over the next few days as it all unraveled. And the religious leaders came and tried to spring traps for him. The crowd turned against him. And two days ago, you and a couple of other women and one man, one that's all that was left of his friends, you stood and watched them torture him to death. And even at that stage, your hope didn't quite die and you kept hoping and waiting that somehow things would turn out all right. And until he took his last shuddering breath, you had some hope in your heart. And then it died. And you watched as one of his very few wealthy followers brought his body down and he watched as they wrapped it without ceremony because they were in a hurry and bundled it into a borrowed tomb. And then you went home because the law said you had to. But this morning, just as early as the law permitted, you got up. And you collected together all that you could offer him as your last, the last thing you could give him. You collected the precious ointments with which you would embalm his body. and your tears with which you would wash the matted blood from his face. And you went to the place where they'd laid him. And when you got there, the huge stone they'd rolled in front had been moved. And uncertain what to make of that, you bent your head... And started going down the steps inside. And you get to the bottom of the steps and you stumble to your knees. And your eyes take time to adapt to the darkness. And slowly, as your eyes adapt, and you blink the tears from them and you lift your head you see the slab where they'd put his body two days before and at one end of the slab is an angel and at the other end of the slab is an angel And between the angels, there is an empty space. Are you surprised? Are you surprised to find you've been looking for him in the wrong place? Are you surprised to find... That you came to minister to him. But as you hear your name and turn your head, you discover that he has come to minister to you. Are you surprised to find that you thought you were the living come to do something for the dead? But you discover that the living one has come to give life to you, the dead. Are you surprised to find that between the angels there is an empty space? And to discover as that man discovered a thousand years before you, that God cannot be pinned down, tied up, or boxed in. These words are from Isaiah chapter 40. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales, or the hills in a balance? Who has understood? The mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket, they're regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. To whom, then, will you compare God? What idol will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground. than he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. So why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my cause is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. And increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint.